were saying about the tracks, you know, and, and bringing a little something to someone's house, and just the fact that you spent the time to go and knock their door and introduce yourself, possibly to say, is there anything we could pray for you? And we're a fellowship of Christians, and you're welcome to worship with us. <laughs> you know, it, it, it really might surprise you. People, hopefully, <laughs> will be responsive and receptive and that's what we're praying for, isn't it? But when we go onto the ships, it's the same thing. I remember Walter Brell told me, uh, it's, it's like door to door on ships. <laughs> but the door is always open. And you get inside the door, and you're sitting down with them, and you're having a meet with them, and you're sharing the good news of Jesus with them. So, the ship has a cargo, but we have a cargo. And it's amazing that I have the same cargo as you have going around the doors here, as I have going to the ships down there. We have the same cargo, and it looks like this. <laughs> Doesn't it? Love. Love with no strings attached. Now, the strings attached to these love hearts. <laughs> but, you know, with, with love with no strings attached means God's love. It's love which isn't looking for something back. Selfish love. Because love and selfishness are actually opposites. And, um, you know, Jesus showed us what true love is. He laid down his life. He gave everything to get us into the family. And I was also thinking of when I was young and I was up in the Bailey's house. <laughs> and I used to go like door to door between families and um, between the Houstons and the Baileys and any other families <laughs> and I was like adopted by so many different families and I just loved that <laughs> not that I didn't love my own family <laughs> but they fed me better than the other ones <laughs> I'm joking <laughs> um, but family as well you know and then I was thinking you know we are the family of God but we have our different tribes don't we like Baptist, Presbyterian, Methodist uh, what else? Uh, it, I was in Reformed Presbyterian last night and Pentecostal and Brethren, and uh, you know, there's so many little families, if you like. <laughs> and it's wonderful that I'm up on deputation now and I'm going between them and being encouraged and hopefully bringing a bit of encouragement and gathering up the woolly hats. <laughs> the deputation work gets challenging, so I value your prayers. Tomorrow morning, I'm down to Newton Free the Baptist, and I have a whole string of meetings till the end of the month and uh, going around and bringing people an update gathering up still late Christmas presents for the ships. <laughs> well, tonight I've got a few thoughts like a devotion, um, reflection, uh, prayer and fasting. <laughs> fasting um, is something we don't often think about. And then I have like a slideshow, but hopefully not too many slides. <laughs> but um, I've got a reading from Isaiah 58. Unto him and to his mourners, I create the fruit of the lips 
Peace, peace to him that is far off and to him that is near, saith the Lord, and I will heal him. And then this about the sea. But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. Just think of that, the stormy sea, turbulent. And in Revelation we see there will be no sea at the end. There's a new heaven and new earth. But many people's hearts, and as I go to the ships, as you go to the doors, people's hearts are, are stirred up, turbulent. There's no peace. But when we go into a ship or to a house, and we, we speak to peace and shalom to the people we're visiting, so we pray that we bring God's peace wherever we set our footsteps. Like the song said, beautiful feet, people bringing good news. And then in chapter 58, verse 3, it says, Wherefore have we fasted, say they, and thou seest not? Wherefore have we afflicted our soul, and thou takest no knowledge? Behold, in the day of your fast ye you find pleasure and exact all your labours. Behold, ye fast for strife and debate, and to smite with the fist of wickedness. Ye shall not fast as you do this day to make your voice to be heard on high. So we see the people there were fasting to get God's attention or maybe twist his arm. But it wasn't the type of fast that God wants. Strife and debate, wickedness. But we read in the New Testament to do all things without grumbling and complaining. And without bitter envy and self-seeking in our hearts. Verse 6 says, Is not this the fast that I have chosen, to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that ye break every yoke? Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to their house? When thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh. Then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy re-reward. Then shalt thou call, and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here I am. If thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, the putting forth of the finger, and speaking vanity. Amen. And you know, the putting forth of the finger <laughs> makes me think about people... Whenever you're criticizing someone, you're, it's like pointing at them, isn't it? But we need to remember those three fingers pointing back at ourselves. <laughs> then in Luke chapter 18, Jesus speaking the parable. Luke 18 verse 9. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, unjust adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week, I give tithes uh, of all that I possess. And the publican standing far off would not lift up so much as his eyes on the heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified 
rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Amen. Very well known, isn't it? <laughs> and we see here Jesus talking about the need for the humble, the humble attitude, not the judgmental and looking down on others. And even though this guy was fasting, he might have had an empty stomach, but he was full of himself. <laughs> well, recently, my colleague Charles, and uh, I'll more about him in the slideshow, but Charles has been such a blessing over the past year. Um, uh, well, we were on a giant Korean car ship, and a captain was chatting to us for about 30 minutes of all the different kinds of foods that he enjoys eating, which included raw beef, raw fish, and even raw chicken. <laughs> um, well Charles was thinking of the scripture in Philippians 3.19 whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly whose glory is their shame, who set their mind on earthly things I was thinking about how many people live to eat rather than eat to live I remember once uh, when I was working in Shane's Castle there was one of the workers there and he could tell the time of the day by how hungry he was if it was going to be coffee, tea break, or, and nowadays it's coffee break, but it was tea break back then, or, or lunch break. Uh, but the generation that we live in is so focused on indulgence, self-gratification, pleasure, and gluttony, all-you-can-eat special. And the cruise liner culture, you know, many people who go on cruises gain weight because of all the wonderful delicacies on board. Uh, and some people told me that they even pack a separate change of clothes, which is a bigger size, because when they come back from the cruise, they've gained a lot of weight. <laughs> uh, one minister, I remember him saying, like in this generation, we're entertaining ourselves to death. There's so many temptations, distractions available nowadays. And some people say this is called the head down generation. You see all the young people at the bus stop on their mobile phones. Not just young people, like people everywhere. Um, adults, children, mobile phone, the head down generation constantly something coming on your phone to distract you, all the notifications and uh, all the dramas and videos and games and everything. And seafarers are no different. But remember the head down generation, that's what we should be as God's people, the head down generation in prayer. Um, well, when seafarers come ashore, they uh, one of the things on their mind is food. <laughs> and they're always thinking, what kind of food can I find in this port? And it's normally McDonald's or Burger King that they end up in. <laughs> uh, and we go on board with snacks and goodies. And I saw a picture from Charles today. He brought a load of snacks on board. You know, it's known that the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. But I'm sure you know the expression also that the stomach is a, a good servant, but a terrible master. As Christians, we have three enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And another saying is that for the only thing necessary for evil to prosper is for good people to do nothing. Are we going with the flow, or are we living a radically different life from the world around us? We are in a demonic war, as Ephesians 6 reminds us. Verse 12 says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spirits of wickedness in high places. Romans 12, 2 says, And be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, 
that ye may prove what's that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. As missionaries to seafarers, one of the blessings that we experience is the hospitality culture of the crew. Often invited to share coffee or tea or lunch, even breakfast or dinner. And eating with someone is a sign of sharing fellowship, sharing their heart, their heart being open. In a sense, we've gone into their house and they don't have much to offer us, but they have food. And it means so much to them whenever we actually eat it with them. But I've had some wonderful experience of eating food on ships and some of them not as happy as others. <laughs> you really need to pray before you eat a meal on a ship. <laughs> Yesterday, or was it yesterday, um, the cook, he's in Belfast, but he sent me a video of the crabs he got from Belfast Lock, and he was about to put them into the saucepan. He said, you're welcome to come for lunch. <laughs> um, it's amazing how after having a meal with the people on board, we have really great opportunities to share the gospel and to pray with them. And isn't it amazing that the Lord Jesus gave us a meal by which to proclaim his death until he comes? And then if you think about it, the first sin came into the world through eating, wasn't it? The fruit, greed. There's so much that you can think about eating uh, or not eating <laughs> in the Bible, you know. Um, so many stories like Esau selling his birthright for a bowl of stew or broth. Well, anyway, I was thinking of sharing a few thoughts of fasting rather than eating. <laughs> but even in our churches, we seem more familiar with feasting than fasting, and it's not a subject I've often heard preached on. And definitely, when you're involved with ship ministry and they, they offer you food, and the ships are constantly busy. On a ship, I'm not sure how many of you know this, does anyone know what they call food on a ship? Chris? No? <laughs> chop, chop. So a seafarer, they, they call it chop-chop. That means time to eat, chop-chop. <laughs> um, in Scripture we see, uh, Jesus said, when you fast. But we in the church usually understand, if you fast. And in 1 John 2 verse 1, John said, if anyone sins. But in the church we usually understand or think, when you sin, <laughs> we've kind of got it back to front. Well, in Isaiah 58, you can see verse 3 as we read, they're asking, why is God not noticed? But they were trying to get God's attention. And that, that kind of fasting is not spiritual, but carnal. The kind of fasting God wants it's done in secret. And as we see from Isaiah 58, the kind of fasting that God uh, approves of involves caring for other people. It's not self-serving. Our motive in fasting should be to sit at Jesus' feet and have a deeper level of fellowship with our Father. But from the place of intimate fellowship and worship, we are propelled to demonstrate God. God, demonstrate God's love in practical ways to others. Satan was self-seeking and Adam and Eve followed his example by seeking to increase. But the way of Jesus is the way of self-sacrifice and humility. Philippians 2, 7 and 8, we see the mindset of Jesus Christ. 
He made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Well, fasting normally means going without food but still drinking water. But of course, nowadays many people say you could, you could fast from social media or fast from TV or fast from, what else? coffee or something, or ice cream, <laughs> but, but generally um, it's going without food. On the ships, uh, it's common among Muslim people, we meet quite a lot of Muslims from different countries, Syria, Turkey, Indonesia, even Philippines, Malaysia, um, maybe Iran, India. Um, during Ramadan, they're fasting. I remember one ship I went on board, and the two cooks, the two people working in the galley, uh, cooking for the whole rest of the people, about 20 people, they were two Muslims, and they were the only Muslims on the ship. So they didn't eat the whole day, and they were slaved away in the galley. They, didn't, they don't even drink during the day either. But at night, they eat. I remember being on a ship then with uh, Egyptians, and I was with them at the end of the Ramadan. Um, and I was sitting with them and able to bring Arabic scriptures and be their friend and talk to them. Um, fasting is good for the body. It's a bit like spring cleaning. Uh, but normally in our minds, said, you know, we think that if you went a day without food, we might shrivel up and die. But after three or four days, or maybe five days, or six days, your body actually gets used to it. Um, maybe the reason we don't hear much about fasting is that we're so unfamiliar with it. <laughs> but in Asia and in Africa, it's nearly taken as a given. And, you know, we do come from the land of plenty, don't we? Um, but people who come from countries where starvation is a reality seem to be more into fasting than us. Um, I read a book called Atomic Power with God Through Fasting and Prayer, which is very challenging, but you wouldn't want to read it with legalistic eyes because it would make you feel guilty for not fasting. <laughs> but it talks about people who've done 40, even up to 60, or maybe even 80 days fasting, and it's, they didn't have any adverse effects, they survived, and, but they had, they had such benefits, spiritual benefits and breakthroughs in prayer. The world is looking at us and asking, are we any different from them? Fasting brings us to our knees. In conclusion, I've seen the most passion for God and growth and maturity and evangelism among the persecuted rather than the pampered church. Among Christians who are less well off financially and materially, we see a fire and passion for God and holy living, which would put many Western Christians to shame. We can learn a lot from our brothers and sisters in the Middle East, Asia, Africa, and Latin America. If we took Jesus' words more seriously and combined fasting with prayer, I'm convinced we'd see God's kingdom advance and expand in our own lives, families, and countries. Remember, Jesus said in Luke 9, 23, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. But the culture we live in is totally against self-denial. It's about self-gratification. Well, normally the preacher shouldn't go over time. <laughs> Otherwise we'd start thinking about supper. 
Um, and Chris really looked after me well tonight. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> um, during deputation, Walter Brown warned me, you, you can gain weight during deputation. <laughs> so you need to be careful. But uh, I just wanted to have a, let us have a few thoughts about this subject which we might often not think about. Undoubtedly, it will bring us back to dependence on the Lord. It's a tool to increase our faith and to cut out distractions and temptations. And a medium or long-term fast can even remove sicknesses from the body and break habits, unwanted habits. Remember that when it was the prodigal son's money ran out and his food also ran out in Luke 15, that's when he came to his senses. And just to pray, Lord, teach us afresh what it means to completely depend on you. Help us to grow in this area of prayer and fasting. Help us to live self-controlled and disciplined lives. May we treasure your words, our daily bread. Um, as Jesus reminds us in Luke 4, Jesus fasting in the wilderness. And remember that our meat is to do your will. Uh, Jesus with the woman at the well in John 4. Amen. So, just a few thoughts for us on a subject not often thought about, and um, I think it's an important subject. <laughs> so, we need the Lord's help.